0: Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks Podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, it's okay. You're addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name's Justin Christopher. I am a Dynasty Freak. Strangely, that's a freak with two E's. I love the NFL. I watch every game every week. I love drafting, trading, scouting, managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some dynasty. Here's what we have in store for episode number 67. It's our week 9 review here now that week 9 has passed and week 10 has just started here with Thursday Night Football. Week nine's in the books. It's been a really surprising week because many things uh, did not happen as expected a lot of our reliable players let us down and surprise players stepped up to help fantasy teams. The ups and downs of this week really may be in large part to due to the uh, carousel that we have going on at quarterback, um, in addition to some of the surprise teams that just laid eggs this week. So I'm going to talk about some of my top five overall observations for the week, give you little ideas on what I was thinking on the waiver wire this week, in case some guys are still out there on your waiver wire. I do play in really deep leagues, so these players might still be available for you. If you're listening, talk a little bit about some of the injuries and the impact that they've had on dynasty value, as well as just kind of week-to-week value. And then I will talk about several trades that happened in my leagues, just to give you an idea about what's happening with some player values. So this gives a chance to talk about a lot of players, and hope that you enjoy. Here we are with my top five over observations overall from uh, week number nine. Number one is that the quarterback carousel is turning fast, so Gardner Minshew uh, missed his last chance to be the quarter to keep the quarterback job there in Jacksonville by having his worst game of the year. Bad timing for him. Worst game of the year this year in London against Houston. Uh, Nick Foles has now been named the starter for week number eleven after Jacksonville's bye week. So there's a new quarterback in Jacksonville. Uh, similarly, Andy Dalton was also demoted as a starter in Cincinnati as the winless Bengals decided to see what they have in rookie Ryan Finley, who looked great in the preseason, obviously trying to look at one last chance for the rookie because now they look like they're in prime position to draft one of the star quarterbacks that are coming out in the draft. On a similar note, Cam Newton was finally placed on IR and lost for the season, meaning Kyle Allen will continue as starter and not have Cam leaning over his shoulder anymore, so he's got the, the job for the rest of this year at least. And then Dwayne Haskins for Washington started last week and didn't look as awful as he did in his spot starts during the year. He looked really bad when he came in uh, after injuries so far this year. But this game he didn't look as bad, but we also have to put a little caveat in there that he was given a very safe and conservative game plan, which didn't require him to do very much at all. But now he's been named the starter going forward, so Washington, kind of like Cincinnati, can see what they have before they have to decide about drafting another quarterback early in the draft, much like I said with Cincinnati and Finley, and finally then we've got Brandon Allen. He got his first start of his NFL career in Denver after the Flacco quote injury. Not sure if it's really injury or a benching based on words that he said uh, in a press conference. Anyway, Brandon Allen won the game, but he only he won the game completing only 12 passes in the game. So it's crazy. This quarterback carousel has has been and or will be hindering the production of all fantasy relevant players on these teams with the exception of uh, guys like Christian McCaffrey who cannot be stopped no matter who is a quarterback and possibly with the exception of Foles in Jacksonville who may be better than Minshew. We just haven't been able to see it yet because Foles was hurt in the first game of the year. Whereas when it comes to pass catchers in Washington including Terry McLaurin, I think he's going to die. Uh, their running game, actually, in Washington might improve because they're so committed to run the game and to protect Haskins from himself, <laughs> whereas the entire Cincinnati offense should be downgraded, even though it's hard to believe that Mixon, Mixon, Joe Mixon could be any worse than he has been. And same goes for Denver. Everyone should ex- expect downgrades all around while Allen's at quarterback, or perhaps Drew Locke's going to get some reps here before the end of the year, too. So the quarterback carousel... Is churning and churning, and it's really affecting our teams, which which stinks when you've got players on teams and you see them be damaged because of the quarterback carousel. It's happening a lot right now, and it looks like a lot of the teams actually are starting to turn their uh, quarterback carousel because, like our dynasty teams, you know when it's time to give up, and some teams are giving up and seeing what they have in their younger guys. So, hard luck to those of us who are relying on other players on those teams to carry us through the playoffs. Second thing I noticed uh, this week was that two presumed run-heavy teams are winning through the air. So Seattle and Detroit were presumed to be among the most run-heavy teams headed in 2019. Like that was the narrative behind their coaching decisions, their offensive coordinators, and everything you expected from them. And early in the season, this proved to be really true. But last week, things seemed to change. It could just be for one week, but I actually believe this is a sign of things to come for both of these teams. So, Seattle ran, uh, uh, Seattle passed rather, um, 54% of the time on average for the season. So, 54% of the time average for the season. But last week they passed 68% of the time. So, a giant increase of 14%. Similarly, the Troy uh, ran uh, 60% of the time on average this season. But this last week, they passed 68%, so an 8% chance. Not as much as Seattle, but still a significant percent chance, or a significant percent increase. Here's what I think is behind this. Seattle's rookie uh, receiver, D.K. Metcalf, he's really developing well, and he's way more involved in the offense. And the fact that just Russell Wilson is simply too good to keep these passing percentages so low. Now, granted, they did play this last week, Tampa Bay. They're much stronger at run defense, and so it could have just been a game plan game plan dependent as to why they passed more than they did. They were also in a shootout. But I think the addition of Josh Gordon off of waivers this week is just really indicates that they're planning to pass the ball more near the end of this regular season. And so this, they're not going to be a 54% passing team. They're going to move up to at least 60%, if not more, as the year continues. That's my prediction, at least. As for Detroit, uh, they, their change of plans, you could argue, is largely due uh, to the loss of Kerrion Johnson. And the fact that they're far, the backs behind him are far less talented in Detroit. But you got to say, that is probably true. That is true. But that said, Kenny Galladay is playing incredibly well. Um, and so is the much old, old, older uh, Marvin Jones. Plus, Matt Stafford is looking better than he ever has. Really, really looking better than he ever has in his career. And Detroit, I think, just can't ignore the impact of their passing game right now. And the imbalance of talent that they have on the passing side of the ball compared to the running. And I think they should see their passing percentage increase significantly, as they kind of try to push for a wild card spot in the NFC if they're able. So two presumed run heavy teams are actually starting to lean more pass heavy, and I think that's going to continue. Third thing that I recognize from this week, overall uh, theme, is that there's a changing of the guard in some backfields. Um, the great play and percentage of involvement seem to indicate that Devon singletary damian williams and ronald jones may have a firmer grip on their backfields singletary had two-thirds of the snaps for the second week in a row in buffalo and he scored 12 points compared to frank gore's two points whereas uh, damian williams had 72 percent highest snap count of the year and scored 23 points largely based on one run granted but that's still compared to mccoy's one point that he scored as for Ronald Jones, he had 53% of the snaps, doesn't seem that great, but when you divide it up between all the backs that they had there, he had 53, and I think Barber actually had 14 or 13 or 14%. Um, Jones actually scored 15 points last week compared to Barber's two points. All that to say that it appears that Buffalo is giving their rookie Singletary the lead work, and that Andy Reid has moved back to his offseason pronouncement that Williams is the every down back, and that Coach Arians has already stated this week that Jones has earned the lead role in Tampa Bay. So upon this news, what would I do? Upon this news, given my value of these players, I would really try to buy Singletary, but now he's at a higher point in his value. I just believe that he's worth trying to buy. Whereas I still would be willing to sell Williams, who I no longer believe in, though I did for quite a while, and I would be willing to sell uh, Ronald Jones, whom I've never believed in. So I don't believe in them. I don't believe in uh, in the Tampa Bay running game at all. So that's what I would do with those. There's a chance that these guys are all taking over the leading spots, but one, Singletary is the one I'd be willing to buy. I'm not sure about Williams and Jones. I'd be willing to sell those guys, even though it appears that they are taking over their roles. Fourth thing that I'll mention that we think about overall from this week, this is a question mark, uh, were we too quick to move Chris Godwin over Mike Evans? This is crazy. Godwin still remains the number three wide receiver in fantasy points. In half PPR, I know all our scoring systems are different, but in half PPR, general scoring, he's the number three wide receiver, while Evans now has moved up to the number one spot. Man, it's so hard to know uh, who to rank higher in Dynasty because they both excel in such different things. So Godwin, again, he's the, just the reliable slot and underneath guy with an incredible catch rate and run after catchability. That's where he has his uh, gains, Whereas Evans, the ridiculously uh, air yards, he's the ridiculous air yards king. He can out jump defenders and rack up points through the air on on long passes. So Tampa Bay offensive uh, under Arians and the erratic play of Jameis Winston are supporting two of the three fantasy top fantasy wide receivers. Isn't that incredible? Two of the top three on one team. That's not even that great of a team, but Arians and the erratic Jameis Winston are carrying it incredible. So dynasty owners are happy to have either Godwin or Evans for sure. The question is, which one would you trade for the other? Which one would you trade for the other? And I'm honestly, I don't know. A couple weeks ago, I finally moved Godwin ahead of Mike Evans, but now I think I might have to switch them when I do my rankings uh, review tomorrow. I might put Evans back ahead of Godwin as he was for so long. Fifth and final observation from the overall week was that NFL teams get humbled just like our fantasy teams do. NFL teams get humbled just like our fantasy teams do. Don't you hate when your dynasty team loses a week to a team that it really had no business losing to? Isn't that the worst? Well, the truth is that it happens in fantasy, it also happens in the NFL. And sometimes the NFL upsets that result in our fa- actually result in our fantasy upset. This was a great example this week when great teams like the Patriots and the Packers got humiliated in defeat. Uh, Except for a few Patriots like Tom Brady and James White, who did okay, Uh, the Packers and Patriots players killed our fantasy teams. While other teams, like the Jets and the Bears, they're not really great teams, but their players were expected to exploit bad matchups against the Dolphins and Eagles. The fact is they didn't, and our fantasy teams felt the brunt of it. So sometimes the NFL upsets actually lead to dynasty and fantasy upsets, and thus very upset owners like you and me. I've been there And we all have. Those are my top five observations for the week. Let me talk just a little bit here about some injuries that happened this last week and what I think that means for dynasty value primarily. But we'll talk a little bit too about like value in the short term. Uh, There weren't very many, so that's good news. First was Jacoby Brissett. Brissett strained his MCL early in the game on Sunday, but reports are that it's a minor injury and that he may even play this week. Uh, This is very little dynasty ramifications for Brissett or his teammates but it could impact all the Colts players in the short term if he does miss a few weeks. Hoyer's a very capable backup, and he actually led the Colts to Colts players to uh, some pretty good fantasy points last week. He could do it again in the coming weeks. It's just he just couldn't do it as well as Brissette. Pretty Pretty minor injury that I don't think is going to affect values for Dynasty for sure. Maybe will affect values of players um, for the next couple weeks. Next up would be Adam Thielen. Thielen tried to return from his hamstring injury in week eight, but immediately re-injured it in week number nine. I know because I started him and that was not fun. Uh, At least last week when he got hurt in the first quarter, he scored a touchdown. This week he gets hurt and gives a goose egg to your teams. Um, He really just needs to take a few weeks off before trying to return. That's how it is often with these hamstring injuries. Um, As far as fantasy value goes, dynasty value goes, Thielen's 29 years old, and so these soft tissue injuries really should begin to cause his value to to dip just a little bit. Not a ton, but just a little bit. Um, His absence is also giving rookie Olabasi um, Johnson a chance to improve and something that he's actually taken advantage of. So Thielen's not impacted. His uh, dynasty value uh, has not uh, impacted the dynasty value or the short-term value of Kirk Cousins as his quarterback or Dalvin Cook or Stefan Diggs even though Stefan Diggs had a really bad game last week. I don't think that had much to do with Thielen being gone. So I don't think it affects the dynasty value of players around him, but uh, it does give um, LBC Johnson a chance to try to prove something and gives a little bit of concern because Thielen is older and we start to have these kind of injuries. You wonder if he could be kind of at the, maybe call it the A.J. Green uh, part of his career, which would be bad. Next entry would be Deshaun Jackson, like Thielen, uh, Jackson re-injured his abdomen early in the game. Unlike Phelan, however, he's been put on IR, IR and has already lost for the year. Uh, this really has to plummet his dynasty value at this point. He's he scored 34 points in his first game back in Philadelphia. It looked like just this triumphant return to him to come back to the Philadelphia Eagles. It seemed he was poised for a great resurgence into fantasy stardom, but he scored only one point since, and that was really just on the one catch that he had on Sunday before he re-injured himself. He's 32 years old, so three years older than Thielen that we just spoke about. I think he's just lost about all of his dynasty value. Uh, his injury negatively affects um, Carson Wentz the most, but I think that's just for this year and not long-term. It could mean a little bit of uptick this this year for you know guys like Ertz and Goddard, um, but I don't think it really affects the Philadelphia players too much long-term from a dynasty perspective. But Deshaun Jackson, yes. Very much affects him from a dynasty per- perspective. Last is Preston Williams. Man, Williams had his breakout game of the year, and then he gets hurt. It was so frustrating. I'm glad to have him in my starting lineup for one of my leagues for the last time. Um, I would love. I love Williams so much. And he, this makes me extremely sad. I hope that he creates some opportunities to buy him from other teams. That's what I hope this injury does. He should recover well and be prepared to start the next year. The fact is that the new coaching staff there in Miami, they they really believe in him. And they've given him every opportunity to succeed already. So next year, he should have a new franchise quarterback too, whoever they draft uh, with their awful season they have this year. I think this injury will cause his dynasty value to dip, but I don't think it should. So in other people's eyes, it's going to dip. And so I would actually uh, try to buy him, but I wouldn't try to buy him now. I'd wait. Because this is, you know, he's kind of at his high value after this great game. I would wait until the end of the season or in the off season, and then I'd start to make some offers for Williams and see if I couldn't get an owner that wasn't as high on him or as hopeful for him in his return. Uh, you won't regret it if you can get him cheap. I would, uh, as a high offer, I'd offer as much as a twenty twenty second round pick for him right now. But I bet you'll be able to get him for much cheaper than that. So bummer on Preston Williams after his breakout game next we're going to talk a little bit of waiver wire there wasn't much on the waiver wire as a reminder uh, i play in dynasty leagues that have 27 to 30 players on their roster so the player pool is very thin um, i only made offers on a few players just the first three that i mentioned even though i'm going to mention uh, five here i only made offers on three of these players so first was chester rogers a wide receiver for the colts Rodgers is not a great addition for dynasty purposes, but he could help this week while T.Y. Hilton is injured. And six teams have bye weeks this week. So I actually made a few offers on him. I picked him up a few leagues and, and have to start him in at least one of those leagues. Two of the three leagues where I picked him up, I actually also have Hilton. So that helps because I just have him that I can throw in the spot if I need it, hoping that he would replace Hilton somewhat. So that's why he was a priority for me. Uh, he did have the second-highest snap count last week in Indianapolis, 65% of the snaps compared to Zach Pascal's 94%. And he did catch a touchdown from the second-string quarterback, Brian Hoyer, who was in. Uh, Jacoby Brissett, like we already said, may be able to play this week. So I really like Roger's chance to, uh, to contribute this week. He is playing the hapless Miami Dolphins. So in the short-term move, this is why it was my number one pickup, a very short-term move that I think could help me for these next, next couple weeks while T.Y. Hilton is in trouble. Second was Olabece Johnson, who I already mentioned. Although I think this one's a little bit more of a dynasty move. Uh, Johnson is a rookie, and he could have time to grow into a more permanent role, uh, given the age of Adam Thielen, especially given his current injuries, and that could become a continual problem for him in the next season or two. BC, as he's called, BC, so BC, as he's called, uh, has not had a lot of targets, just 12 over the last three weeks while Thielen's been injured but among those 12, he's caught seven balls and he's had two touchdowns. So he's really earned a role on the team. He's played 71 to 83% of the snaps over the last three weeks with Thielen's injury. That's crazy, 71 to 83%. So he is the next guy up there in Minnesota. So I picked him up in a few leagues this week, and whereas I mentioned Chester Rogers before, because I think I need him to help me now, Rogers I'll probably drop once T.Y. Hilton comes back from the injury, whereas Olabisi I think I'll keep him on my rosters and see how he develops because he's a young guy that uh, has really the wide receiver three, it looks like right now in Minnesota, with an older guy in Phelan nearing his way out. Hopefully not too soon, but you gotta got to be aware of that. Third gal mentioned uh, on waivers, it was Alan Hearns. Hearns appears to be the number two starting wide receiver in Miami since Preston Williams tore his ACL last week, like I mentioned, after his best game of the year. Ryan Fitzpatrick, amazingly, he's managed to keep Devontae Parker and Preston Williams relevant as fantasy players this year. I wouldn't be surprised if he can do the same with Hearns. I put a bid on him um, and Hearns in a a few leagues, but I only wasn't able to pick him up in any of my leagues. Williams, Parker, and the rookies that they're going to be drafting with all the draft picks that Miami's accumulated, I think they're the future of Miami. So I don't see this as a long term move. Um, I think Parker looks like he could be the future Williams definitely can be the future and Miami's going to draft players as well in addition they're going to add a fantasy quarterback you know they're going to add a a franchise quarterback that's really going to make a difference so Hearns is really only a temporary move for dynasty teams I did make a few offers on him uh, but never landed him on any of my teams and the fourth guy that I'll mention is Jacob Hollister this is the fact about this Russell Wilson can make anyone look like a star that's just how good he is Hollister scored two touchdowns last Sunday in a shootout with Tampa Bay. Um, I did not make any offers on him this week just because I believe in the long-term value of Will Disley in Seattle. Uh, I've got him rostered several places and sitting on my IR, my IR in, in several leagues, and so I'm going to hold on to him believing that he's going to be the future at tight end in Seattle. Um, the fact is that even in this game when he scored two touchdowns, he only had 37 yards out of Wilson's 378 yards passing. So just less than 10 percent of all of Wilson Jarrett's passing. You we all know that touchdowns are the least predictable part of tight end play. I don't think he'll ever score two touchdowns again in a game this year, but who knows? Russell Wilson can make everyone look good. Um, I did not make any offers on Hollister, but I saw him picked up in most of my leagues. And finally, uh, Miles Gaskin, Gaskin uh, for the running back for Miami has not played a down this year. Uh, He may be forced into action after Kenyon Drake was traded and Mark Walton was suspended. Kalen Balazs certainly is going to get the first crack in Miami, but here's the fact with him. They've already seen enough of him to start Mark Walton ahead of Kalen Balazs, so Miami would be wise to see what they have in Gaskin. I didn't make any claims for him, though I was a lot higher on him than most analysts going into last year's rookie drafts. He's a smaller framed guy, but he had 1,200 yards on the ground in all four years that he played at the University of Washington. That's super impressive. That can't be denied. And I was surprised that he's not played and given the chance to play already for Miami. So it'll be interesting to see if he gets some cracks. I saw that some people took some chances on him uh, this week in my leagues. And it's a pretty smart move. Pretty smart to take a chance on him, even though I was not quite ready to do so. Hey, in closing, we'll look at a couple trades. Uh, There were only two trades that went down in my leagues this week. Uh, One involved me, a pretty big blockbuster deal that just went down today. The other was a small deal that helped a contender contender, uh, just to compete in week number 10. Uh, First trade was Alvin Kamara and Keyshawn Johnson for Debo Samuel in two 2020 first-round picks. Man, this was a trade that I made in a league where I am a top contender, um, but I just need a little more punch to compete with two or three of the other top contending teams. I think there's a couple teams that are better than me. And so this was my attempt to get right back up on their level and hopefully hold on to my first-round bye. Right now I'm in position to get a bye week in the playoffs, but I've got injuries to T.Y. Hilton and Thielen in this league, and so I'm I'm kind of needing some, some punch right now to stay in the driver's seat and hopefully get that bye week in the first round of the playoffs. I picked up Kamara to pair him with Nick Chubb in my backfield, so I think that's a great pair to have for years to come in a 12-team league, Kamara and Chubb for years to come. I'll take that. I did give up a lot to get Kamara, I will admit it. I love the 2020 draft class. And I admittedly will be very sad to see these first two-round picks go. That's going to stink. But to me, Kamara was worth it. He's young. He's playing behind a top-five offensive line and a proven innovative coach in Sean Payton. Uh, He's already proven himself to be a top-four or five dynasty running back. Um, And I I I was willing to take a player that I have seen do it in the NFL – over two first-round picks, who I've only seen do it in college. I don't do that all the time, but for this particular team, I was definitely eager to do that because it's a very strong contending team. The team that made this trade to me is definitely in rebuilding mode, and they wanted young assets in the picks, um, especially since they had already traded away their first-round pick in this league. So in essence, so they you know needed these first two-round picks. As for the Debo Samuel side of it. He was my first-round pick last year in this league, so in essence, I gave up three first-round picks. You could look at it that way. Um, I was able to talk him into throwing in Keyshawn Johnson in the deal. I like the chances of Keyshawn being a number 2 wide receiver in Arizona next year after, hopefully, uh, Larry Fitzgerald retires. I really like the trade now, and I hope it carries me to a championship this year and sets me up for years to come with the Chubb and Kamara combo at running back. That'd be pretty awesome. But that said... I have to admit, I'm going to be very sad while I sit and watch players go off the draft board next year in the rookie draft, and I just have to sit there and watch for likely 20-plus picks. Next trade was a real small one, uh, but I'll mention it here. It was Jason Witten for Mitch Trubisky in my leagues. Uh, the new Witten owner uh, definitely overpaid on this trade, but he was really hurting at tight end this week and had no one to play except Hayden Hurst due to injuries to Delaney Walker and D- and TJ Hawkinson. Um, It's a one-quarterback league. He already has Baker Mayfield and Tom Brady at quarterback and likely buys into the rumors, true or not, that Trubisky may be benched in favor of Chase Daniel after playing so poorly the last few weeks. This team's a contender and needed to purchase a tight end for this week. He's actually trying to contend and keep up his record with me. He's one game behind me in this league. And so he wants to get every point he can this week to stay in contention. As for the new Trubisky owner, uh, he's really a struggling team, probably not going to make the playoff, and he actually has an awful quarterback situation where he had Andy Dalton as a starting uh, quarterback with Kim Newton um, just moved to IR, of course, and then Dalton was just benched. So he really had to scramble too. So this is two teams kind of scrambling, finding a deal. Both teams are scrambling. Uh, one got the much better, younger prospect, whose draft capital in and of itself is so high, uh, that being Trubisky, drafted in the first round so high, that I think he's going to be given way more chances to prove himself. And Winton very likely could be even be in his last year this year. So I like the Drabisky side of this trade from a dynasty perspective, but I understand why both owners did what they did to try to win this week. So that's it for this week, my friends. Thanks for listening to my week nine review. Best of luck to you in week number 10. Feel free to reach out anytime at Dynasty Freaks. That's Dynasty Freaks with two E's dynastyfreaks at gmail.com i'm much better on email than i am on twitter but you can follow me on twitter as well i appreciate you giving a listen you guys know what to do until next time you need to go out there get freaky thanks for listening to the dynasty freaks podcast with your host justin christopher we welcome your thoughts and advice let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league